Welcome to Emerging Europe Talks, bringing you expert insight on innovation and technology, sustainable social and economic growth, business, politics and culture, and helping you navigate the Emerging Europe region. Hosted by Andrew Robel. Remember to visit the show's page, emerging-europe.com forward slash multimedia, or check the hashtag EETalks on social media. This is Emerging Europe Talks Prosperity, and today we're looking at how to build an international business. My name is Andrew Robel, and I am joined by Oleg Krop, Managing Partner at Techia Holding. Techia is a group of companies operating internationally across a number of different sectors, IT, esports, infrastructure, and quite a few more. The first company within the holding was set up almost a decade ago. Oleg, welcome to Emerging Europe Talks. Thank you, guys. It's really glad to be here. Perfect. So let's start very, with the very beginning of, of the company, actually. So tell us how, when you were starting you know, to build Techia, what were your goals? What was your vision of the company in the future? Actually, when we started, business could be divided in two different parts. First part, like we play sports, for example, it was more like a hobby. Yeah, it couldn't be business because uh, we didn't have enough instruments to earn money by doing esports. So it was like a hobby that that could transform into we play that you know right now. And the other part of the business was like for earning money. Yeah, yeah, we we, we didn't like it that much, but we were pretty good IT specialists and we had a pretty good IT team and we understood clearly how to organize all these people and all these companies that we built during the first years of the business to be the most efficient company in this sector in Ukraine. It was in Ukraine at the beginning. After a few crises, we changed our mindset to be much more international, but more international than Ukrainian. So do you think that it, it is important, because from what I hear is that first, you know, came Ukraine, the local market, yeah, but did sure. you, from the very beginning, have this international mindset as well, thinking of, you know, doing business globally as well? Yeah, actually we wanted to, but this wasn't in the first year, years of the business. It wasn't like the goal that we were trying to reach as fast as possible. We... Actually, all the products that we do, they are international. They can be sold all over the world. But uh, at the beginning of the business, we just tried to be the best of the best in our corner of the world. Uh, and that's how it started. So when you look back right now, do you think it is important that this mindset, this international mindset is set sort of from the very beginning? The sooner, the better. Yeah, Because if you're going to build your company from the scratch, thinking about the products that you're building and thinking how they will be sold in different countries. Are they okay for different markets? It is much more better for, for your business. All right. So tell me, it's been almost a decade that you since you started. What did the process look like? Or how has it developed over the, over the decade? Actually, during the first years, we managed to become one of the biggest players on the local market 
then I don't know if you remember, but Ukraine passed through a few crises. Yeah, and these crises seriously affected the local market. We looked at it, cried a little bit, and decided that we do not want to be localized so much that because of different obstacles that can't be controlled by us or not, not depend on our professionalism or, or anything else that we can do would affect business so much. Because like you're having a, some kind of a restaurant in, in, during the COVID, yeah? That, that's fine. You, you can be the best of the best in your business, but still you will be closed and your business will suffer. So in 2016, 2015, 2016, we decided finally that we will not build any business that is one country uh, optimized and decided that we found a new philosophy for us. So mm -hmm. make where it is better to make the product and the product should be of a good quality so you could sell it all over the world in any country. So sell everywhere, build <laughs> the place where it's better to build it. And how did you implement the strategy? Because that's, you know, that's a challenge, I would say. That's a challenge. Luckily, we already had international experience before that. So we had different partners across the world. And we already had some problems with the communication because we're sitting like in 10,000 kilometers from our partners. Different mindsets of the teams doesn't give us the opportunity to work really efficient, really to make fast decisions, et cetera, et cetera. So we already knew what, what they need from us. They all, we already understood that having the business development manager in Malaysia, for example, gives you an opportunity to understand locals, to understand what market demands. And without the, the sitting in Ukraine, even if you're thinking about not Malaysia, for example, even Poland, yeah, the closest neighbor to Ukraine, languages are pretty similar and still without the locals there without the local team strong local team that you're having in poland you will not get a good result of course there are exceptions like you're a microsoft and you're building windows and everybody uses it but for young businessmen it's not a good example for young businessmen or for businesses that are only developing from SMB to, to medium size of the business, this is not a good example. You should build your structure in the way that you will be able to understand the key markets. You have to prepare some go-to-market strategy because before you go to the market. You can't just sit in Ukraine, for example, and think that everything that works here will definitely work out there. Now, the more far you go, the more differences you will meet even if it's like united states market everybody's speaking english we do know a lot about the united states the mindset is different the type of communication of networking is pre pretty different that's why my partner lives in the united states because it's a very important market for us without living there without speaking with these guys that are our partners on an everyday basis without understanding on how things done yeah you will not be able to move your business forward 
So you've identified one challenge here and also gave some sort of advice here to young entrepreneurs who are uh, starting a, a new business and thinking globally. Are there or have there been any other challenges that you you had to face uh, over the years and how what kind of advice would you would you give to young entrepreneurs based on your experience? The basic advice is to be flexible and be ready for things that you are not ready and cannot prepare for. Because, for example, Jura, my business partner, he changed his way of living completely because in the United States, if you are not a citizen, if you are not a green card holder, if you have no social security number, you will not be able to run international business. For example, if you're, if, if you're a foreigner, you, you, you come from Ukraine, you open the company, yes, you can. First of all, you need some kind of a visa that allows you to work. And this visa should be done by a company that is already on a good standing. So like you're coming to make a new company and you can do nothing to work legally. So you, you will need to find the ways how to build the beginning of the structure. You should be ready to hire specialists. You should be ready, for example, if, if it's United States, you should be ready to spend like $15,000 on immigration lawyers. Really, that's how it it's done. Without it, you will lose years and can face problems that you will not be able to solve. So the best way to be prepared for the challenges on the new markets is to be prepared for everything. Now, when we develop a lot of companies in the United States already, we understood that without without making S corporations instead of C corporations, C corporations is when you are foreigner and making the company in the United States and S is like your American citizen or immigrant and you can do the other types of corporations. So without this, you will not be able to move forward on some stage of your business. Yeah, You should really be ready for that because, for example, if I was running my business by my own and didn't have a partner, it would be a complete disaster because we're having a pretty big business here in Europe and we're expanding to Asia and we need one of the partners, key partners to be living in the United States. So this can be done by one man standing. So this is what you should be ready for. Change your way of life, face different problems, and you should hire specialists to solve really great problems that you may have. You should be ready. If you're going to markets of the countries that are near you, it's much better. You can go there within an hour. You can solve problems because a lot of things will be similar. But if you're, for example, living to the United States and planning to live there, you will need the budget that is a appropriate to the country. So if, you, you, if you're going to catch the big market, if you're going to work on a big market, you should be ready to work and spend equally. But your example shows clearly that it is, it might be challenging, it might be difficult, but it is possible to operate an international business that is present across the world, actually, from emerging Europe, from... Of course. Ukraine. It's even better because you can test a lot of things here much easier, much cheaper. Every mistake on a big market will cost you really a lot. And if you have a good team here in emerging Europe, you 
are able to test all things perfectly before they go to the, to the market. Because adaptation of the product to be good for the new market is not the same like building a product from the scratch for a new market. Anyway, if you are building a SaaS service that is good for any country, yeah, and you have built it and tested it and it's one of the best of the best of the best in your country, it's much more easier to adopt it to, to some new markets. So yes, it's, it's even better because in the markets of emerging Europe, they allow you to be more flexible, to make mistakes, not to pay uh, 10 times more for these mistakes like you do in, in the United States, for example. So yeah, this is, this is the opportunity. That's a very, very nice answer. Uh, but there are still quite a few companies, also startups, that are thinking of, of going globally, I mean, working, operating globally, and sort of moving the headquarters to places like London, like New York. What would you tell them? Do you think they should try and do business out of you know, emerging Europe? I think that they should answer for one question at the beginning. Why we need to be in London? Because if uh, the answer will be that's because this is a financial capital of this part of the Europe, the answer will be stay at home. My recommendation will be stay at home. You should understand clearly what you will do abroad. You should understand whom you're going to meet, what you're going to do every day, how does it help you, how will it help you with your business. And only having such kind of a plan, you will be able to reach your goals because there are over-advertised places like Silicon Valley. And you know that every smart American right now trying to flee out there. So, because it's too, too expensive and there's nothing that left there that can't be replicated in Texas, for example, yeah, which is building the new Silicon Valley. So you should really understand that some places have a really good advertisement, but a really bad taste at the same time. So just say clearly to yourself that this place is because my partners are there. I will be able to do this, 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 and this. I'm planning and I'm ready for this and this and this problems because moving to London, opening the company, uh, being the citizen of Ukraine, it's, it's like a good thing, but it, you can do it from Ukraine as well. If you're going to build there the local representative office, if you're going to surround your core team with the locals, that would be much better answer. Uh, that, that is okay for sure. That you, then you need to go, then you, you do want to sell product as a local, understanding local mentality, local market and problems that are out there. Even the guys that compete with you, yeah, you know, you'll know them better. You will see them every day in their work. So yeah, that's, that's how you should think about that. That makes a lot of sense. And do you think, uh, do you think there is a sort of more patriotic reason to stay in uh, where the founders come from? You see, the, uh, I have a very good old joke. When, when the country cannot offer you anything, it starts to talk about patriotism. It's really fine, but we should understand that we're living in the international world. Yeah, it's, it's, and if somebody can gain resources and clients from all over the world and you can't, then the only thing that will happen, you will die with your business or will stay so small that you will not be interesting even for yourself when you're like 50. 
Thank you very much for that. Uh, just the final question, any interesting story that happened to you when developing the business uh, that you would like to share with our audience? Interesting story. You see, there's so many funny facts that are happening that you should really consult your PR managers before saying so. Yeah, there were a lot of terrible mistakes of our personal. When we started to grow really fast and like the amount of people that are working in the holding passed through 1,000, we did not control as good as we did a few years ago when it was like 100 people, everybody. And we could not be, we, we couldn't be sure about the professionalism of, of everybody. So sometimes the mistakes that were internal communication, I think that the, the most funny things were in internal communication. Like giving a, giving a funny example, the 90% of the holding a few years ago, they received uh, their salary in USD. United States dollar and 10% in, in Euro. And part of the people decided to, to move to Euro block as well. So like there were re-signing like 15 contracts out of 1,000 <laughs> because we need to show to the bank that we're now paying. And because of that, the financial directorate told that these amounts of money on these 15 contracts will be sent two days later with the, and send it with apologies to the uh, human resources manager. Human resources manager was like too young, didn't understand the context, and sent to all 1,000 people. Well, holding have a financial problems. That's why we're going to pay salary later. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it was funny and very, very, very sad at the same time because like this, this is a problem that has nothing to do with the financials of the holding. This is a problem that is for these 15 guys only. Yeah, it's like somebody caught COVID in the company. We're saying like the half of the company had COVID. The biggest problems were in internal communication because when you grow fast, the ideas of the managing partners of the holding, they are not always clearly understood by the guys that are working in the field. And this is something that you should really be aware of. You should really work on that. Not to, when, when I don't have time, I almost don't meet guys that I met before in my company and had a long discussion. So I don't have a time for long discussions already. So, uh, but, but, but you should really know where, where you should find the balance here because without giving them the idea of what you're doing, they will misunderstand it so much they can deliver this message instead of you and the message will be pretty awful. <laughs> but definitely we know that Tetya did not have a financial problem, did not no, have financial problems. No, we didn't. Problems. We tried to switch 15 people from USD to Europe. Europe. That's all we tried to do because they asked for it. Mm. And, and the financial department, when they started to change these uh, documents, they said that, is it okay that it will take some time? Because the mm. bank should approve it. Yes. And they thought, yes, yeah, it was not a problem. And uh, the financial department, before doing so, they sent apologies about these two days. So now, with your coming to our any floor of our holding, you see the big uh, like board with a funny joke about 
if you need something from the financial department, here's your QR code. Here's the telephone. Just ask us before crying, okay? Well, yeah, they, 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 made, they made these boards and right now I'm seeing them on, on each floor because the financial director was really pissed off when, when he saw something like this. <laughs> Oleg, thank you so much for sharing all the, well, intel and insights of uh, running an international business. It was a real pleasure to speak with you today. Thank you. Thank you. It was a real pleasure meeting you. Thank you all for listening, and we look forward to your company for the next episode of Emerging Europe Talks. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast and do leave a review. This will help us ensure a regular stream of great guests you want to hear from. And finally, check out our news and analysis platform at emerging-europe.com. <laughs>